Can you hear me? All right, there we go. Uh, as you well know, this uh, message today is the final message in the uh, Revelation series about uh, the seven churches. And uh, just a few minutes ago, Jeff asked me to share a couple thoughts before we begin and uh, open us up with a prayer. So uh, I tell you, when you're getting ready to uh, listen to a message about being lukewarm, uh, and sometimes I feel like I'm that way, a bit uh, in cruise control in my faith, whenever you're asked to speak, you, you uh, get on fire for God right away, because this is not something that I uh, particularly like to do. But anyway, uh, this message can be tough to swallow at times. I'm sure many of you have, have heard about the Church of Laodicea uh, numerous times throughout your walk with the Lord, and uh, there may be a tendency to uh, be on the defense already before the message begins. And what I'd like to encourage everybody uh, to do is look at this as a message of, let's say, troubleshooting, okay? Uh, Whenever, like in my previous job, I did fire protection and uh, mostly on the low voltage side, and sometimes we would have uh, issues where devices would quit working and we had to go ahead and start troubleshooting. And the first thing we would do is go to the main power supply to see if we're getting power. And if we're getting power, then we know it's something out in the field. And then we'd start uh, troubleshooting the different boards on all the different hubs, see if it was the motherboard or uh, the DAC or PM9. There's all these part numbers you don't know about. But if that wasn't the case, then you know, let's, all right, let's go back out into the field and look at all the devices. In our spiritual walk with the Lord, we know that we're receiving power from God at all times. Even though it may not feel like it, we are. And what we have to do is if we feel like we're uh, in that cruise control state in our journey with God, if, we, if we're struggling with jealousy or any form of idolatry or gluttony or whatever it is, we need to have the mindset that we're going to troubleshoot and correct this issue so that we can all work together uh, as a system. We all have different talents. We all have different capabilities. And when we're all functioning, when we're all in the right state of mind and able to receive encouragement and also receive a bit of a challenging message, when we have the mindset that we want to be a fully functioning system, uh, it's, it's going to go well. So let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for another day that we get to come in here and worship you freely. Uh, we're thankful for encouraging messages. We're thankful for challenging messages. Thankful for this whole body. And I pray that you give Jeff not only wisdom, but the confidence and the compassion to preach this message in a way that's going to encourage us to enhance our relationship with you. It's in through Christ I pray. Amen.
All right, I'm going to get you to open up to Revelation chapter 3. We're going to kind of get into this together. Uh, I want to kind of caution you ahead of time. When you get into this, um, one thing that I think we're tempted to do with God's Word, and especially to the seven churches, um, and, and I, I feel comfortable saying this to a church like Meadowlark and to a family like this, I'm going to talk a little bit about why. But one thing we're tempted to do is, is come to a letter like this and say, well, which church is the church in America? Uh, which church is Metal Ark? Which church is my previous church? Which church is this? And these are all the problems. These are all the issues I have with church and with you people. And, and one time um, someone posted, it was years ago, but somebody had posted online just a horrible, angry, vitriolic thing against Metal Ark. And, and just, you know, whatever somebody could say, well, you're a lukewarm church. Well, you're high. You're not doing this. On... And, and I just responded to him. I said, man, I'm just going to talk to you personally. Who are you talking about? And I started listing names that are in this auditorium. I started listing individuals. And they said, oh, no, that person's awesome. Oh, no, that person's amazing. Oh, that person changed my life. And I said, oh, really? Then who are you talking about? Who are you so upset with? Who are you so angry with? Do you think I'm lukewarm? Come spend a day with me. Who is it that you're angry with? And the truth is, they finally confessed, I'm seeing everybody else through how I see who? Myself. I'm seeing everybody else through how I see myself. Let's be real. Let's be honest. Let's address our anger. Let's address these things because these letters aren't intended for us to take and say, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, which one are you? Uh Uh-uh, because you aren't God. You aren't the one that has eyes like fire. You aren't the one that has feet like bronze that judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. It's just not you. You're the recipient of this letter. And it's something we're supposed to take and open up my heart and say, my God, speak to me. My God, let me hear something from you. Let me sit at your feet and let me open up my heart and let me be real with you. I'm gonna, we're gonna get in this whole hot and cold issue, and there's a few ways to tackle it, but it does not matter how you interpret these verses. I'm gonna give you a few options. It does not matter. It is so challenging. And it is one of the most, I think of the seven letters, this is the one that can kind of hit you in the gut the most. These, uh, seven, seven weeks, um, we've been talking about challenging ourselves this year in our love and our walk with God, our service and involvement with the church. Our purity, our giving, and a number of these these things. And and today is going to be a very difficult challenge as well. But it's one of those things that I have to stop and look at Jeff's life and say, what is next for me? What's ahead? What is God calling me to? What he's leading me to? And not losing your sense of adventure in God's kingdom. And so that's really what we're doing with with these letters. Um, This is a picture of uh, what's left of the city of Laodicea. Uh, Laodicea was, was a part of a, a kind of a three cities that were right next to each other. Um, all sort of like, not even Greeley, Fort Collins, but it, it would be like Broomfield, Denver, um, I don't know, Windsor, no, no, that's over there, I don't know. A, a group of, it's all Colorado, I don't know. Uh, these, they're so closely related, it was Laodicea, Hierapolis, and Colossae. And these three cities are right next to each other. Now, what's interesting, I'm going to go through some pictures here in a second and talk about what these cities meant to each other. Um, but I want to begin the letter. This is how it, write, it begins. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, 
the ruler of God's creation. Um, in each of the letters, what's crazy is God introduces himself, Christ introduces himself with a description that is going to be very relevant to their situation. So when we're talking to a church that is like, man, I don't know where you stand right now. I mean, you're talking to a person who's like, where are you? Are you hot? Are you cold? Where are you in the middle? You're just kind of fickle right now. He introduces himself. I am the amen. Now, what that word amen means, and this is sort of just trivial stuff, but I told you this once before, but it's crazy. Did you know that in most languages, the word right means your right-hand side and correct? Um, That's not just true in English. It's true in most languages. Not all languages, but in most languages, they're synonymous. In Spanish, it, derecha. This is my derecha, and you have the derecha. It's, it's your right. And so it's, it's a synonymous term in both languages. And in, in Latin, and some of you guys in the medical profession, again, this is just kind of random stuff here I'm getting into. This is your, this is a great Latin quiz here. You know what this is called? Dexter. And this is your what? Howard, are you with me? Thank you, Howard. Yeah, Howard taught me this, by the way. This is your this is your sinister. But get this, man. This is your dexter, which comes from a word meaning right. And this is your sinister, right? And so in most cultures, you associate this with truth, what's solid, what's real, what's right. And you associate this with even the word left comes from the word lift, which means folly. Okay, and so this these two ideas, um, it's crazy in most languages and most cultures. That's the way it is. It's the same in Hebrew. The amen. It means you're right. This is what's right. This is what I'm lifting up. It's what's solid. But this is where I'm going, and this is, is what, what's relevant. God presents himself to a church that is not sure where up and down and right and wrong and left and right is. They're not sure where they stand. He says, listen to my words. This is truth. This is the amen. This is in a life full of lies. I'm going to speak truth into your life, and we need that. Yesterday, someone comes up to me and says, man, it's exciting to be a Christian. Man, I love my walk in Christ. And they said, technically, I'm a Buddhist, but it's all the same. And I'm like, what do do you even know about Buddhism, man? And you're just trying to be eclectic. You're trying to be different. You don't even know what Buddhism is. And and, and it was just one of those things where I was talking. I was like, man, we don't know what up and down and left and right is. We're in a culture right now. We don't even know. I mean, so much in the last five years. I'm not going to get into a lot of political issues. But man... It's like absolute truth, even about who you are, doesn't exist anymore. And Christ comes into this world that has nothing, and he says, I am the amen. Listen to what I'm about to tell you, because this is what's solid. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. This is a map of the region. Uh, you can see Hierapolis, Laodicea, and Colossae are all right here next to each other. What's interesting, and some of y'all who like Ray Vanderlaan, he got into a lot of this stuff. What's so interesting is this is a picture of, um, of Hierapolis, man. A place to visit, I'd say. It looks a whole lot like uh, something you'd find up in Yellowstone or something like this. These are the hot springs of Hierapolis. Beautiful. A place where people would come and um, have waters of healing. And they associated this with a place of healing. And you'd come and you'd get in the, the hot springs, like we have here in Colorado. I think they're disgusting. I don't go to the ones we have in Colorado. But you just smell people's sweat. Um, sorry. But it's a place people would come and do that, right? 
And then you have Colossae, famous for their cold, refreshing water. And you both these places right next to each other, the hot springs and the cool springs, a place where you'd get bottled water from. And in the middle, this is actually what's left. They were pretty advanced. They really were. This is what's left of part of the uh, system, the, I'm calling it a septic system. It wasn't that, but they would pipe in water, aqueducts and these kinds of things. They would pipe in water. And you can see all the corrosion and all the, the calcium buildup and these kinds of deposits that were in these pipes because by the time water got to Laodicea, it was, and I don't like to simply call it lukewarm because as much as people like to talk about, I'm, when I'm thirsty, man, I don't care, okay? Uh, you give me water when I'm thirsty, I don't care what temperature it's at. So that's not the idea here. The idea is this, when water has been sitting in the sun and has been traveling and stuff, it becomes insipid. It becomes gross. It becomes more like gray water. Something that is not something you would want to drink anymore. The strong taste of, of, of nastiness in your, <laughs> in your water. Lubbock water, right? This, this kind of a thing. Um, it's disgusting. And so he's playing on how they viewed their own water, how their own source. And he says, man, I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. These are some more examples of a pretty advanced um, system that they had to pipe in water in his place in Laodicea. But these are the three ways that we could look at this verse. The traditional way, the earliest way, is this. Um, I would rather you be in Christ or out of Christ. Now, Ray Vanderlaan slammed this idea, you know, but I, I really can't slam it because even though I don't think that this is what the text is saying, it is what Hebrews says. It is what Second Peter 2 says. It does say this in the Bible that, listen, it would be better for you not to have known the way of righteousness than to walk in it and to reject it. Okay? And so the idea is in the Bible that, man, it's better to be out of Christ than to wear that name and to misrepresent it. Okay? It, that concept is there, but I don't think that's what he's teaching here. The second idea is you could be serving Christ in one capacity or another. In other words, hey, man, Hierapolis has the hot springs. Um, Colossae has the cold springs. Just do some good. Have some, in other words, check a box on, on our involvement card or get spit out. Um, I, 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 I'm sorry, that was, a, that was below the bell, right? Um, that's not what he's saying. I don't think that's what he's saying either. Listen, if you're not gifted here, be gifted here, but do something. I could see a message there too, right? But I think it's this. Uh, and this is just my leaning in it. It's this like, when I come to Christ, listen, I'm weak and I'm desperate. I'm weak. I know that. I'm new in Christ. I'm cold maybe. But I'm desperate for you. I need you. You're my God, right? I, I, you can be there. And it's okay to be weak. Man, all of us in this room will know probably even in the next year what it is to be strong and what it is to be weak. It's something we all go through. You can be there. Or you can be this on-fire evangelist that's doing all kinds of work in God's kingdom, and that's beautiful too. But don't get to a place where you're self-sufficient. And the reason we know that's the message is because that's what the text goes on to say. You say, I'm rich. Get this, man. This city was so wealthy that when an earthquake struck and destroyed Colossae, by the way, that's why you don't have eight letters uh, to the churches of Asia Minor, Colossae is gone when this is written. I mean an earthquake that completely destroyed a city. So Colossae, the letter that you have to the Colossians, that church doesn't even exist. That city is gone. And they're right next door to it, right? And he says this, but this city also destroyed completely, 
Rome volunteers to help. Tacitus writes about this, some other historians volunteers to help and they say, we're good. And they rebuilt their city on their own resources because it's an extremely wealthy city. So they rebuild and they say, you know what? I'm rich. I've acquired wealth. I don't need anything. But you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Whoa. All of a sudden you realize that this letter is not written to Christians that are like, hey, I'm somewhat strong, but I don't want to keep growing. That's a lot of times how we think of lukewarm. Now look at what he just said. You don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. The problem is, you. I'm no longer your God. The problem is, you came to me. You had this, this zealous walk in me. You came to me and you were on fire. And all of a sudden it's like, I'm self-sufficient now. I have what I need. Church is a place I go. But it's not a passion that I have in my heart. The whole walk with God thing, man, I lost that. I don't know what that is. And he says, man, I want you to be dependent on me again. I want you to fall in love with me again. Very similar to the message in Ephesus and very similar consequences um, to Ephesus. He says, I'm going to remove your lampstand to this church. He says, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And I, I, I know that this can sound like a very harsh message. And it's the kind of message that you can walk away from and be like, man, that's just cringeworthy. I can't believe scripture's doing this. But listen, man, God is being dead serious about some of these things that we have to address in ourselves. He says this, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by the fire so that you become rich, white clothes to wear, to cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Crazy that he had just addressed the three things that this city was the most famous for. They were famous in ancient times for being the banking center of Asia Minor. They were famous for making their clothes. And they were famous for their eyes off um, at the time. God addresses all these things in the city. And he says, man, all this stuff is passing. It doesn't matter. What matters is your relationship with me. And he addresses exactly where they're at when he says this. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. I was talking to Billy about this this morning. And I love that he pointed this verse out. Because this is it. God sounds, I mean, I know this sounds harsh, but this is where God stops and he says this. Do you understand I'm saying this to you? Because I love you. I am in love with you and I'm disciplining you and I'm keeping you in check because I am your father. And I want to keep you in a walk with me and I don't want to let you leave me. I'm willing to fight for you. But this isn't about, hey, I want you to be a good Christian. This is about, I want you to be my son. So here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come and eat with him and he with me. Um, There's something I'm going to share with you in a minute that's making this morning very difficult for me. And I'm going to be extremely personal with you. Um, With the end of this verse, and I've just got to share a little bit what's on my mind. Um, Before I do, I'm going to share with you a little story that I've shared with some of y'all before, but it's relevant here. When I lived in Ecuador, when I was a kid, uh, I was 20 years old, I could call that a kid. Um, I was taking a shower, and uh, my friend Joey started banging on the bathroom door, and he said, the house is on fire. Um, Get out of the shower. And all we did was play pranks on each other. We didn't have a relationship outside of playing pranks on each other. 
I was the worst. And so I assumed it was a prank and I stayed in the shower. And he kept banging on the door. I mean, he was going and he was banging. He said, get out of there. The house is on fire. And then I started thinking logically. And I said, we live in a cement house with iron bars over all the windows. Nothing in this house can catch on fire. The house can't be on fire. I stayed in the shower because I like my shower. He keeps banging and I mean crying and I heard something in his voice. And I will never, and I can hear it. I'm not going to try to reproduce it because that would be great. But he's crying out to me, Jeff, get out of there. And I opened the door and a massive black cloud of smoke came through that door. And I saw my friend Joey's face, tears, black soot all on his face, tears coming down, surprised he didn't die from smoke inhalation because he would not leave the door until I opened it dropped to my knees, crawled to my bedroom and get my lion blanket, which is sacred to me. And as naked wet boy running down the street with a lion blanket to the fire department, crying out, auxilio, auxilio fuego, because of the two words I knew in Spanish. Um, but I will never get that image out of my head of my friend that stood at the door, banging and banging and banging and said, open the door. I need you to let me in. And I, every time I read this verse, man, that image comes to me. And where this harsh text goes about being lukewarm, follow this carefully. Because he immediately goes from this whoo, stern rebuke. I'm telling you, man, you've got to come back to me. And then immediately he says, I love you. As a father loves his kid, I love you. And then he says this, to him who, he says, well, first he says, whoever opens the door, he can come in and I will eat with him and he with me. This is God just said, I want you to, I want to come in. I want you to come in and I want to eat with you. I want that sacred, intimate fellowship with you. To him who overcomes, I'll give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'm going to call Anthony up here, um, and he's going to close us out with a, a Bible verse that is um, very sacred to me and really relevant to me right now. I'm going to talk a little bit about why. Um, Saturday is a day that I hold sacred because it's a time where I like to pray, think about some of the thoughts I'm going to share. Um, you can sit down now. I'll bring you up here in a minute. Think about some of the thoughts I'm going to share and get my lesson just ready to go. And inevitably on Saturday, I never get that every time something happens and it's crazy. Um, but yesterday, uh, I had a very intense evening and I've had a very intense morning. In fact, I had to leave class this morning um, because I've been on my phone just texting and texting. Um, but uh, we were at the, we were down serving the homeless. Which, by the way, we had like 20 people in here sign up with interest to help in this ministry. And I'm excited about that. We have something. I'm going to be emailing you this week, setting up some things. Um, but I'm super excited about what's ahead. But Bob got up and shared some incredible words that were just on his heart. And I see this girl with tears in her eyes. And she just, she said, I need this. I need God in my life. And so I went and sat with her, and we visited for a while, and, and she said, 
I have to give my life to Christ. I'm so tired of it, and I've had it in my gut for so long, and the Spirit's been leading me, and I need to give my life to God. So I said, man, can we sit down and talk? Can we study together and just pray together about this and what's going on? And we started talking, and she said, what is baptism? Just explain it. Man, is this some kind of weird ritual? What is this thing? And we just walked through together. I just shared with her. I said, this is what it is. And every verse we went to and everything we said, man, tears welled up in her eyes. And she just got excited and she said, this is what God's leading me to, man. It's a new life in him and it's just given myself entirely to him. This is exactly what I want right now. Bob came and we prayed with her and said, when do you want to do this? She goes, it has to be right now. I said, okay. And so we got in the car and we headed up here. And last night on the way, as soon as we got in the car, her phone rang. I'm just sharing you with what's on my heart, man, because this is crazy. Her phone rang, and it's her husband. And he says, I forbid you to become a Christian. I forbid you to do what you're doing. Get out of the car. Get out of that building right now. You'll have nothing to do with those people. You'll have nothing to do with Christ. I forbid it. First off, I don't use that language with my wife. (laughs) That would be hilarious. (laughs) I forbid you. You know, and I'm like... This manipulation, this controlling, this ownership that you feel like you have over this girl. And I was getting angry in my spirit. And we're we're sitting here and all of a sudden we come up here and it gets intense. And this girl is in a ball crying in my office over this phone call. And she goes, will you talk to him? And I said, yeah, give me the phone. (laughs) It's not a good time to catch me. I was was so, and I'm like, let's talk. And so we go and we have a talk together and I'm just pour out my heart. So I want you to understand what this is. What does Christ represent? What do you think this represents? A life of service, a life of love, a life of giving yourself. This is what Christ is to me. Who on earth has a problem with Christ? I don't get it. I have no clue why the early church was persecuted to the extent they were. All they were doing was rescuing orphans and taking care of widows, showing love to people, and people want to kill them for it. And I have no clue why there's such a resistance to Christianity today. Keep in mind, I know, I'll be the first to say, man, a lot of people wearing the name Christ are some of the craziest people you're going to meet in your life, okay? There are cults out there that are nuts. I get it, okay? (laughs) I've been a slight part of some of them. I get it. But what Christ stands for, you are baptized into a church. You were baptized into Christ. And we aren't here to represent a church. We're here to represent Christ. And this is what we're talking about. And this girl was sitting right here. I'm sitting here and there's a small group that we have and we're lifting her up in prayer and we're crying together because I cannot believe the pain that this girl is in over a decision of her marriage or Christ. This is where we were. And it was that serious. Don't come home if you decide to be a Christian. It's like that. And I'm in so much pain, and last night I lost some sleep, and this morning I've been on text all morning with this girl. But she sat there and she said, in tears, she said, I can't, I'm in so much pain right now. And I know what I have to do. And she gave her life to Christ, and she was baptized here last night. I didn't have to make a decision like that when I became a Christian. And I pray that, and I told her, I said, giving to you to your husband who is God. And I pray that your marriage is saved. I do. But I want you to pray for that girl. 
And I want you to thank God for that kind of faith. And I pray that it's something that would be alive in here too. The kind of sacrifice you make to say, my God is my life. When Anthony shares what he's about to share, this text means so much to me that I'm, I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, I want to have you stand together and just listen to these words. I'm going to have a small moment of silence and I'm going to have a Brad lead us in a song. Um, but I pray not only that your heart would go out to this girl, that I pray that you get to know and get to meet. And it's going to be, I pray, a part of the family here. But I also pray that this message would do something for you as well. That no longer, we would get out of this whole world where we sit here and judge the world and judge other people and judge churches and do all this other stuff and act like we're the one with eyes like fire. And listen to this. Let God into your heart and remember what it is to be hot in Him or be cold in Him, but not to be in a place where it's just dead in your gut. And if you feel dead in your gut, stop blaming your family. Stop blaming your church. Stop blaming your job. Stop blaming your circumstances. That's a lie. You have full responsibility for your walk with God. You have full responsibility. Anthony, would you come up? I love this young man so much. I praise God for his zeal. And I, it means a whole lot to me what he's about to read. So um, if you'd stand with me. I hope you put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, please, put up with me. I am jealous for you with a godly jealous. I promise you to one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was decided by the the serpent's cunning, your mind may somehow be led astray from your sinner and pure devotion to Christ.